good morning and welcome to Warden. Whether you're joining us in person or online, we're so glad you're here today. Now, we are a full gospel church, and we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, Julia came to me, and she has a word that she'd just like to share that she feels God has placed on her heart. So I'm going to invite Julia to come, and she's going to share with us. Thank you very much. The scripture is, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And there, I feel like God is telling me there are people who are wanting to do what they believe God has asked them to do, and they're finding it overwhelming and, and a crushing burden. And when God gives you a burden, it's light and it's easy. It fits, and it's not meant to crush you. And in any event, God is going to be the one who actually makes it happen. He doesn't always call the equipped, but he always equips the called. So if you're struggling and feeling like you've got to please God and you've got, that's not how God feels about it. It's his burden and it's light and it's easy. Thank you, Julia, for sharing that with us. And that's so in line with what even I want to talk about this morning. So before we begin, let's just pause for a moment and pray. God, we thank you that you care about us. You love us so much that you speak to us through your word and through um, people, God. And I just pray that today as we look to you, that you would encourage us, that you would help us, that you would change us, Lord, and make us more like you. Help everyone here, God, that's going through something difficult in their life, that they're worried about, that they're stressed about, their burdens, those with heavy burdens, God. Help us to give them to you today. And we just thank you and ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as has already been said by Fadzi, our, um, today we're starting a series called Astonishing Words. And in this series, I want to look at some of the astonishing words that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. And I pray that in doing so, it will encourage you, it will strengthen you, and that it may even change your life. The Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew chapters 5 to 7 and includes some of the most memorable words ever spoken out of the mouth of Jesus. It includes the Beatitudes, the Lord's Prayer, the Golden Rule, and just so much more. This is important stuff. And Matthew, at the end of uh, the sermon, of Jesus' sermon, gives us a postscript in verses 28 and 29. He said this, And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. It's an interesting conclusion, don't you think? The people were astonished at his teaching. Astonished is a strong Greek word, and it means to be struck with panic. It means to be shocked out of the senses. They were totally amazed at what he said. No one had ever spoken like this before. No one had ever taught like this before with this kind of authority. So the first of these astonishing words that I'd like to talk about are found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Again, that's Matthew 26, as chapter 6, 25 to 34, and this is what it says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? 
Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what should we eat or what should we drink or what should we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day is enough trouble of its own. Now, to sum up this passage, Jesus said, do not worry. Astonishing, isn't it? (laughs) Now, there's a comedian by the name of Carl Hurley, and he tells the story about how he was trying to throw a trash can away. He said, it's one thing that you can't get the garbage man to pick up. He said he set out this old rusty garbage can at the street one morning and thinking that the garbage man would understand that he needed to be thrown away. He said when he came back that afternoon, the can was stacked up with the rest of the empty trash cans. Well, the next week, he said, I put it out again. This time I turned it upside down so that they could see that there were holes in the bottom and it needed to be thrown away. So when I came home, it was stacked up next to the empty cans again. Well, the next week, he said, I took a sledgehammer and I beat that can in pretty good and I left it in front. And when I came home, not only was it stacked up next to the rest of the empty cans, but the garbage man had actually tried to beat it back into shape. And he said, so finally, I did the only thing I could do. I went to the hardware store, I bought a heavy-duty chain and a padlock, and I chained that old can to a large tree in my front yard. And sure enough, that night, somebody stole it. (laughs) Uh, Worry is a lot like that trash can. We know we need to get rid of it, but it's not so easy to accomplish. It's easier said than done. Now, worry is a serious issue, and no way do I want to make light of it. People's lives are being impacted more than ever by anxiety and worry. According to the World Health Organization, the COVID-19 pandemic triggered a 25% increase in the prevalence of worry and anxiety and depression worldwide. And I've seen it. I see it in people that I talk to. So many people are stressed out and they're worried about so many things. Anxiety levels are high right now. And if I were to ask for a show of hands, who worried about something in the last hour, even since you came into the church, I wouldn't be surprised if most of us raised our hand. Because worry can affect us all. We worry because we're human. Christians worry. We get anxious sometimes. But worry is like putting your car in neutral and revving the engine. It burns oil and gas, and it's hard on the engine, and it really doesn't get us anywhere. But that's what worry is like. There's an old story that's told about a man who came face to face with the dangers of worry. Death was walking towards a city one morning, and the man asked, What are you going to do? 
I'm going to take a hundred people, Death replied. That's horrible, the man said. Well, that's the way it is, Death said. That's what I do. So the man hurried on ahead to warn everyone he could about Death's plan. As evening fell, he met Death again. You told me you were going to take a hundred people, the man said. Why did a thousand people die? I kept my word, Death responded. I only took a hundred people. Worry took the others. See, worry can have negative effects on our mental and our physical health. And I don't want to get the impression that worry and anxiety can be swept away by a simple sermon. In fact, some people got, for some people, God's healing will include the help of therapy and or medication. And I, but I do think that all of us can benefit from what God's word has to say about worry. And the passage we just read gives us some important reasons why we shouldn't worry and also how to stop worrying. So first, let's look at the reasons why we shouldn't worry. And the first reason is because God tells us not to. Now, God says in his word, don't murder, don't steal, don't lie, don't bear false witness, don't commit adultery. And I think we take those, seri- those commands pretty seriously, or I hope we do anyways. But when God says, don't worry, I wonder, do we take that command as seriously as the others? You see, Jesus forbids worry. Three times he commands his followers to not worry. And for those who are already living with worry, he commands, stop that worrying. For those who are about to start, he declares, don't make that step. Don't even begin to worry. So one reason not to worry is because it's a matter of obedience. God tells us not to. Another reason that we shouldn't worry is because God promises to take care of us. Jesus in this passage proceeds to teach us a lesson from the birds. There are many lessons that we can learn from nature. And I believe God intends for his creation to teach us about himself, the creator. And here Jesus recommends that we engage in some holy bird watching. We read in verse 26, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Well, aren't you? Of course you are. Here Jesus argues from the lesser to the greater. You're much more valuable than birds. And if God takes care of the lesser, then certainly he will take care of the greater things. Psalm 145 verse 15 says, The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. Now the birds don't wake up worrying. They wake up singing, and then they go out to find the food that God prepares for them, have provided for them. Now, this doesn't mean that we shouldn't work or that we shouldn't plan for the future. Jesus doesn't say don't work. He says don't worry. Now, work is required for each of us as Christians, but worry is not necessary. The birds, they, they still need to go out and get their food. They just don't worry about it. And we don't have to worry about what we're going to eat because just as God takes care of the birds, we don't have to worry because God promises to take care of our needs. You know, there are some people who know the true reality of God providing daily bread. But most of us, we have so much, and yet we worry and we fret. I've been thinking about that lately and how sometimes I'll go to the fridge or to the cupboards and I'll open the door and I'll say, oh, there's nothing to eat. And have you, anyone else ever do that? 
you know, but the truth is we have more in a day than some people have in a whole month. And then in verse 28 and 29, he says, why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. You know, I also get up some mornings and I look in my closet and I say, oh, I have nothing to wear, especially Sunday mornings. That's what I do. But, you know, whether it's from the thrift store, a department store, a designer boutique, we can be thankful that God is a God who cares and provides for all of our needs. God takes care of his children. So we don't have to worry because God promises that he will provide for us. Another reason we shouldn't worry is because worry doesn't change the situation. Jesus addresses this very explicitly in verse 27. He says, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Now that's a rhetorical question, meaning it doesn't need an answer. The obvious answer is no one can. Worry can add a single minute to your life. Worry can add a single dollar to your bank account. Worry can't add a a single point to your GPA. Worry can't impress your boss. Worry can't help your kids behave better. Worry can't keep you or your loved ones from getting sick. Worry can't strengthen your marriage. Worry can increase your church attendance. And worry certainly can help your preaching. See, worry can help any of us. However, worry can have negative effects in our lives. Worry can damage our health. Worry can damage your relationships. Worry can rob you of your joy. Worry can rob you of opportunities. Our worry can affect ourselves, and our worry also affects others. Our worry can even have an effect on our relationship with God. Worry only has negative effects. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, well, Connie, if I don't worry, I'm not going to get the important stuff done. Now, let me point out, there is a genuine place for concern, but concern and worry are not the same. Concern acknowledges that something needs careful thought. Worry is giving to consuming trepidation. Concern gives way to planning. Worry gives way to fear. Concern leads to a healthy attention, but worry leads to unhealthy anxiety. The Life Application Study Bible adds this. Concern moves you to action. Worry immobilizes you. Planning for tomorrow is time well spent. Worrying about tomorrow is time wasted. Now, there's a church that I have to pass on my way home, and they have this sign at the front, and they put up various sayings. One day when I passed, it said, Today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. And then another time they changed it to say the only place that perpetual worry will get you ahead of time is the cemetery. (laughs) I, I like that. You know, someone here or listening online, you may have a child that's decided to go their own way and live a very destructive lifestyle. Your worrying is not going to change the outcome. You may have a sick family member, but worrying is not going to change the outcome. You may be afraid and worried because you've heard rumors that your employer is downsizing. Worrying will not change the outcome. Who of you by worrying can change any situation in your life? It's not going to change the outcome. 
but it will change you. It could give you ulcers. It can affect your sleep. It can affect you all in all sorts of ways, physically and emotionally. We shouldn't worry because it doesn't change the outcome and it doesn't help. Another reason that we shouldn't worry is because it makes us no different than unbelievers. In verse 32, it reads that the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. The pagan or the person who doesn't know God lives in such a way that they rely on themselves. And Jesus is saying that unbelieving people put their priorities on those things, but we shouldn't. Unbelievers are focused on the earthly things because that's what they know is their prize. They don't have a greater prize. They don't know the blessing of God and God and that God himself far outweighs the things of this world. It's only natural that they focus on those earthly things. But when we start fretting and worrying, we sound like a person who's relying on themselves instead of on God. So for those of us who know Jesus, we're to look and to live differently than one who doesn't know God. You see, Christians and non-Christians get the same challenges, the same trials, the same illnesses. But I believe that God wants to show the world that a Christian lives and responds differently to the worries and to the challenges of life. The believer is to respond by resting and relying on God to provide no matter what the circumstance. And that's one way that we are to be different. And I believe when people see that, when they see us going through things and having a peace in our hearts, they are going to want what we have. As we can see, there are, there are some, a number of legitimate reasons why not to worry. But the bigger question is, how do you do that? How do you stop worrying? Well, I read about this one man who had an idea. And he was talking to another one who said, I have a mountain of credit card debt. I lost my job. My car is being repossessed and her house is in foreclosure. But I'm not worried about it. How are you not worried about it, asked his friend. To which he replied, I hired a professional worrier. He does all my worrying for me. That's fantastic, his friend replied, but how much does your professional worrier charge you for his services? $50,000 a year, he replied. $50,000 a year? How are you going to get that kind of money? And to which he replied, I don't know, that's his worry. (laughs) Wouldn't it be nice to have a professional worrier to do all our worrying for us? It's just not going to happen. So what do we do? about our worry. How do we stop worrying? Well, the first thing we see in this passage that we need to do is know your God as Father. Verse 26 says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Notice Jesus says, your heavenly Father who feeds them. Christians have this unique relationship with God. Not because of anything that we've done, but simply by trusting in Jesus for salvation. As Christians, we've been adopted into God's family. He's your heavenly father. And twice in this passage, Jesus points to your heavenly father as the reason for not worrying. I want you to think. Think of his greatness, his glory, his power. Think of his love and his generousness. Now, we need to always remember the father factor when we begin to worry. 
There's an old poem that goes like this. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these ancient human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think they must, that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Well, the point is, if you are a Christian, you do have a heavenly father. And if your heavenly father takes care of the birds, will he not also take care of you? Ultimately, it is God who provides for us and takes care of us. There's an old hymn that I thought of when I was preparing this message. It says, many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Now, worrying is not necessary for a Christian because you have a heavenly father who holds the future and holds your hand. He loves you. He's always with you, and he is a good, good father. The second thing that will help us to overcome worry is to put our trust in God. When we worry, it's like we're experiencing a crisis before it happens. We're not really trusting God with our future. Now, we can spend great portions of our time fretting over the future and things that might never happen or things that we have nothing, there's nothing we can do about because we have no control over it. Worry is a case of the what-ifs. Now, what if I get cancer? What if I'm in an accident? What if my kids get sick? What if I cause someone else to get sick? What if that person doesn't like me? What if I lost my job? What if I don't have enough money for retirement? And I could go on and on because what if are worry's favorite words. And the what ifs, they're bad. Craig Rochelle said something I like. He said, what you fear the most reveals what you value the most and what you trust God with the least. Let me say that again because I want you to get it. What you fear the most reveals what you value the most and what you trust God with the least. So think about it. What do you worry about the most? That's what you value the most and that's what you're trusting God with the least. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this lately and I was on a walk one day and I, I was thinking about the what ifs and I really felt like God was just speaking quietly into my heart and he said, Connie, you need to change your thinking. You got, need to change it from what if to even if. Even if I lose my job, even if my loved one dies, even if that thing I fear the most happens, I will still trust you. You are a good God and you have a plan for my life. You promise to never leave me or forsake me. You promise to work all things out for my good and for your glory. So, what we need to do is begin to change our thinking from what if to even if. Because life has no promises. Bad things happen sometimes to all of us. But even if that thing that we're worried about happens, we can trust God because he is in control and he will take care of us. Uh, I was reading about Charles Blondin. He was a world-renowned tightrope, tightrope artist and acrobat. And on June the 30th, 1895, before a stunned crowd of a, a thousand excited onlookers, Blondin was the first person to cross Niagara Falls by tightrope. 
He crossed 1,100 feet on a single three-inch cord, strung from 160 feet above the falls on one side to 270 feet above the falls on the other side. The breathless assembly watched him accomplish step by slow step, a feat most believed impossible. But Blondin was just getting started. In the years to come, the daring entertainer crossed again and again on stilts, in a sack, even pushing a wheelbarrow. The story goes that an exuberant onlooker called out and said, you could cross with a man in that wheelbarrow. Blondin agreed and invited the man to climb in, but the spectator nervously declined. You see, our relationship with God is often like that. We believe in God, yet not enough to trust him with our whole life in his wheelbarrow. We know God could fulfill his promise, but we're never sure if he'll do it for me. I want to encourage you this morning. Live your life like God uh, loves you and believe that God knows and he cares. And get in his wheelbarrow and see where he'll take you. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And he does. And if you're in Christ, you have a heavenly father who knows what you need and he's promised to take care of you. So take your cares to him, leave them there and trust that he will take care of it. Have you ever taken something to a repair person to get fixed? I've done that many times, but do you stay and offer to help him fix it? I don't think so. You know, God, he's the expert. So put your trust in him and then seek him. Seek his kingdom. And that brings me to my next point. In order to stop worrying, we need to get our priorities straight. Jesus started this passage off with this thought. Look again at verse 25. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus tells us here that there's more to life than food and clothing or any other physical necessity. Jesus didn't say that those things aren't important or that they don't matter. Jesus didn't say not to concern ourselves with those things. Jesus doesn't say not to work for those things. But what Jesus is saying is that life is more than those things. There's something greater than those things. There's something else that should really consume our focus. And then he tells us what that greater thing is. E is greater. Verse 33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. The word translated Seek in verse 33 is related to the word run after in verse 32. And it means to put forth serious effort, to strive for something, to try and obtain. And just as the non-Christians are putting their effort into securing their physical needs, we should put our efforts into seeking God and his kingdom. And to seek first means that we should make that the most important thing in our life. It's a matter of priorities. And what Jesus is saying is that the alternative to worry is to pursue God passionately, to seek after him. 
See, the antidote to worry is not to do nothing to secure your needs, but it's rather to seek first the things that are first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then use those lesser things to serve that greater purpose. Now, think about this. When there's something in your life that takes precedent over lesser things, then that usually causes us not to be too concerned about the lesser things. Let me see if I can explain by using an example. Say if in your car your radio is broken, and then you also have a broken transmission. You're going to need to be more concerned about the transmission. See, it's a matter of what's most important. We need to recalibrate and refocus our lives on what's most important. When we do see God in his ways first and foremost, those other things God says he will take care of, all those things will be provided for you. So we need to get our priorities straight. Rather than being anxious about life, we're to seek God. We're to stay close to him and allow him to fill us with his Holy Spirit. Another thing that helps us not to worry is to live one day at a time. Verse 34 says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So to overcome worry, we need to live in the day. We need to take advantage of the grace that God gives you to be faithful today. Now, you might be having a trial in your family. Do your best to love them today. Don't worry about how you're going to love them tomorrow. You might have a difficult boss. Honor and serve him or her today. Tomorrow, God's mercies are new. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. I was reading this little devotional book, and it talked about how we might react if our bank credited us $86,400 to our account every single day. The catch is that the money had to be used up by the end of the day. If not, it would be taken away. And that process is renewed the next day and every other day with $86,400 being credited to your account daily. Wouldn't that be nice? I'm sure most people would not have any hesitation or any trouble spending all of that money every single day. Well, Devotional went on to say, similarly, God blesses us with 86,400 seconds credited every single day which can never be reclaimed if we don't use them. So let's use our time wisely, not wasted on worrying about things. There was this highly successful country songwriter years ago by the name of Mary John Wilkin. She drifted away from her faith after finding success. At a time of crisis and personal desperation, as the story goes, she stopped at a church for some counseling and prayer. The young minister who was on duty had apparently asked her during that conversation whether she had ever considered being thankful to God for her problems. As she went home and she pondered that statement, she began to play at her piano, and words to a song came to her. Needing some help to complete the lyrics that she had written down, she approached Chris Christofferson, who helped her to finished the song and helped her with the remaining words. The completing song goes like this. I'm only human. I'm just a woman. Help me believe in what I can be and all that I am. Show me the staircase I have to climb. Lord, for my sake, teach me to take 
one day at a time. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking of you. Let's learn to live one day at a time, completely trusting in our Lord Jesus. Now, should we be concerned with the things of this life and of this world? Yes. We need to plan and we need to work to take care of ourselves and our families. But should we be worried about those things of our life? No. We should seek God in his ways and trust him with our lives. We need to focus on God more. Make him the top priority in our lives. You know, for some reason, most of the time, God does not show us what tomorrow holds. And maybe it's simply because he wants us to trust him with tomorrow. And maybe you're here or you're watching online and your life is just filled with worry and anxiety. Again, I don't make light of this. For some people, God's healing needs to include the help of counseling and or medication. But seek the help you need because God's word is clear that for so many reasons we shouldn't worry. I want to encourage us all to get to know God as our father, to trust him, to get our priorities straight, and to begin to live one day at a time. Now, if your life is a mess today and you've never invited Jesus into your heart as your Savior, why don't you make that decision right now? Only he can bring true meaning and purpose to your life. Only he can cleanse and forgive you of your sin because he gave his life on the cross to bring salvation to all of mankind. He can make your tomorrow secure. So put your trust in him today and to save you and ask him to forgive you of your sins. Invite him into your life today. If you do make that decision, please let me know so that we can rejoice with you and journey with you and help you on your way. I'm going to pray in just a moment, but if I could just ask everyone to just close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment. Maybe you're here this morning and your life is filled with worry and anxiety. Or maybe there's just one little thing that you just can't stop thinking about that you're fearing, that you're worrying about. And you would like God to help you with that. Why don't you just raise your hand? I'd love to pray with you. So many of us, so many of us, me included. I think I worried more this week than I have in such a long time. I think it was God just saying, Connie, don't worry. All right, let's pray. God, we come to you, Lord, and I just asked that you would help us, help us in this area of worry. So many hands are raised, God. We, we have things in our lives that we're anxious about. God, I pray that you would help us. Help us to trust you. Help us to put you first. Help us to give our lives, our loved ones, our situations over to you because you care for us. You are a good, good father, and you see and you know those situations. And God, we believe that you are in control and that you will work it out, God. So help us as we go forth in this day and the, and the days and weeks to come to just give our worries and our cares to you. Lord, I thank you that you are good and that we can do that. We can give it to you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Why don't you stand with us, and before we go, we're going to just declare how great our God is. <laughs>